Hello again, everyone, and welcome to The Chatter. This is episode 19. We are recording this on the 29th day of November in the year of our Lord, 2021, as we begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, O most most gracious gracious Virgin Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided, Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, quick look down the hall at the infirmary, it'll look better. That's right. I think we're all a little bit better this week. Yeah, yeah at least we're in the 90%, except for Tom. Oh. I feel Tom better. A, I can breathe. Took a flying trip down his driveway. Oh, my goodness. And I still have to laugh as Janet's sending me the text, Be careful! <laughs> it's icy! As I'm flat on my back like a turtle, and my, uh, my text is sliding down Martin Drive. There we are. You know, and it's it's not funny, but I got to admit, after you sent me the return text, I kind of laughed out loud. Because it is funny to see people wipe out. But I felt bad, and I did. I think I offered up a prayer even so that you'd be okay. I'd like all of you to meet my two friends <laughs> who laugh at me. With friends like these. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need enemies. Yeah. All right, let's go to the uh, headlines before you lose status on the list of friends. (laughs) (laughs) All right, one headline that caught my eye. Um, The Iowa bishops um, are planning on going on a major media campaign, which I call it a rampage, to all Catholics to get vaxxed. In some countries they call it propaganda. (laughs) In other countries they call it communism. Yeah. So where did you see that story? Um, where did I see that? Um, it broke nationally. On America Magazine, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah Jesuit yeah. Magazine? Yeah. You know, I saw that on there, and the headline, yeah, Catholic bishops and I will want their prisoners to get vaxxed. They're launching a multimedia campaign to get it done. I thought, isn't that curious? I mean, America Magazine is national, international, run with the Jesu- by the Jesuits, right? I thought, they're highlighting the Catholic bishops in Iowa. Now, there's 50 states. Most of the bishops in this country, most of them are in favor of the COVID shot. So I'm thinking, why did they choose to highlight Iowa? And furthermore, none of our bishops are Jesuits. So it's not like they're, you know, kind of highlighting their fellow Jesuits. So what do you think? Why do you think America Magazine chose the Iowa bishops to highlight? I don't know. Maybe there's a financial end somewhere. They always say, follow the money. Mm, That's true. Yeah, I think that. What else? Feedback I'm getting is is it's uh, it's a prelude. It's it's an opening volley to the uh, uh, vaccine apartheid in the churches, and that's coming. And, and in I, Iowa, in Iowa, in Iowa, I also think it's going to be linked to I, I, I the have, closing of the churches. Yeah, I get. I'm getting a lot of feedback. Uh, no, it's called chatter. I'm getting a lot of chatter from listeners that are saying, Tom, this is the prelude. You know, they're, they're going to make reference to say, 
we asked all of you, we told all of you to get vaccinated and you haven't done it and you're either going to be locked out of church or you're going to be on the left side of church or the right side of church. It used to be the St. Mary and St. Joseph side of church. And, um, and maybe to your point, Janet, the dark winter comes and all of the churches are locked anyway. And the chatter on that is, here's the chatter on that. I don't, what are you getting on that? But what I'm getting on that is, dare they lock the church, two things are going to happen. One, not one more dime, right. not one more penny to um, whoever locks the, there's a group or a committee that locks churches. Uh, but two, we will uh, not be locked out. We will gather in our parking lots, in our parks, in our wherever we're going to gather, and we're going to pray in a blizzard the Holy Mass. That's what I'm getting. That sounds like uh, resistance. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Well, the, you know, you got to look at this and play the devil's advocate card or... Uh, just just ask some innocent questions like we have a tendency to do. But what do you do to the people who, like us three now, most likely have the COVID antibodies? We're set for life. You know, you bring up a good point. Why can't people just show they have the antibodies? If so many people have already had COVID, why not just show that you have the antibodies and then you don't need the shot? Which why, I which I think is great, but why do I have to show it at all? Why do I have to show anything? Yeah. True. True. But they will not even let you say, I've why had do... it, here's my antibodies. No, you. they are pushing the shot. Right. If you have the shot, you're protected. We all have about the highest antibodies in Dubuque right now. Yeah. yeah. Coming off it. This is, this, this is what I said at the top, apartheid. And and I was going to go back and ask you, when you said apartheid, uh, of course, that you think of South Africa and, you know, a two-tier level of society, um, rights for some, but not all, punishment for some. Um, so what would that apartheid look like? Like you would have to show proof of the shot? You would have to, what What do you think they're going to do? Uh it Something on the level like when we were six years old and they started requiring all you had to have a your series of shots before you could start school, and so for me that was back in the you know late sixties early seventies. So I'm wondering if it's going to be something like that that you're going to have to present a card of some sort, or, or the yellow star of David. Yeah, there you go on your sleeve. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, and to me, they always talk about the mark of the beast. And, you know, part of me, when I let myself be creative in my thoughts with that, I'm like, well, the mark of the beast is the vax, as far as I'm concerned. Or at least some of us think it is. <laughs> and it could be. You don't know. I mean, and and if Tom is right, if it's leading to apartheid, not only in the churches, but look at Austria. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are going to, I just saw a headline, they are going to put, put people who have not taken the shot in prison. Yeah. What is and up with that? And the sad thing about Austria is, is that is was that a Austria predominant... Australia? Austria. Austria, because both countries have things going on. Mm-hmm. But Austria is a predominantly Catholic country. It is. yep, yep, yep. So sad. 
So, but you're right. The, the, the bottom line is, why do we have to show anybody papers it's to resistance. go to mass? It's resistance. We, I'm not participating in your psychosis. And I think that's right, because, you know, sometimes people will say, well, if I don't get the shot, then I have to get tested weekly. And I've said, don't get tested weekly. Tell them they can do it. You know what they can do with that You mean the test. test that has 48% accuracy? Yeah, yeah. But the more you play their game... We, we have to the remove The more you our... play the game, you give up your liberties, not freedoms, your liberties, to someone else who has no right. Your liberties come from God. That's right. Okay? We are free because we are children of God. They mm-hmm. are not granted to us by author- authoritarian regimes. And when you buy into that, like, I'll show them this, you are legitimizing their game. Correct. And we don't want to do that. No. Right. We don't even want to play that game no. or buy into the their supposition that they can ask us for papers. I mean, people need to kind of wake up. Well, and that's that's exactly what, what you just said as far as waking up. We have so many people are indoctrinated because of what they listen to or watch on TV. And we have become sheep and we're no longer critical thinkers. We have got to resist, and the first way to resist is start doing research. Start sharing it with others. Look at both sides of the conversation on anything, really, and form your own opinions. Do some critical thinking. Remember 14 days to flatten the curve. Yeah, Yeah. that was almost two years now, because this is the end of November, Mm -hmm. and that was March. Mm -hmm. So we're coming up on two years of 15 days to flatten the curve. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, but we we need to resist their 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 suppositions that this and this and this. No, we are Americans. Coming from the same evil people that have killed sixty five million people in the womb, just since in this country. Seventy. Yeah, just in this country. Just in this country. Because we love you. We yeah. love you, America. Yeah. It's about your safety. And then and then the other thing that just you're safe really, with us. Trust us. The other thing that hawks me off about the Iowa bishops going on this major media campaign to get vaxxed is my goodness, what are you going to say when you see Jesus in the face or look Jesus in the face and you're like, here's all the aborted babies that had to be sacrificed for these vaccinations to come to head, to come to fruition. Where is the outrage? I'm like, seriously, how come you can be a bishop and push something that a child had to die in order for it to come to market? Hello? Yep. I mean, that's a good point. And and that's what you think when you see that headline. And what I think is that is not their wheelhouse. Right. How about we how about we do some catechesis on the Eucharist? I know. Let's spend 28 million and teach her. Oh, she's 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 jumping ahead. I'm foreshadowing. I'll pull it back. We can give her a script. But boy, oh, boy. I'll pull it back. (laughs) I'll recant that. I'm just thinking, you know, we we need to remind ourselves of the. parable of the uh, the good shepherd who stayed with the 99 sheep for the common good and, mm-hmm. and, and let that one wandering mm-hmm. little guy go away <laughs> that's uh that's not how my bible has that parable it's not in Corinthians. it's not in the book of Corinthians either <laughs> definitely not but uh, no, so my thought is that's not their wheelhouse. What if they would focus on teaching the faith instead of worrying about people's private medical decisions, 
we'd be a lot further along yeah. than we are. You know, if they would focus on the... Which of the bishops in that conference that issued the statement quoted in the Jesuit magazine America, mm-hmm. there's four bishops in that conference, mm-hmm. which of them led their sheep in prayer against the scourge of COVID? I believe the only one that led anything in prayer was with the uh, rally that was going on with, and I think that was Strickland. No, in Iowa, though. Oh, in Iowa, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. The four Iowa bishops. I have not heard of any. Sounds like goose eggs in this conference. Yeah. Chicken eggs. Right. Zero. I mean, I was listening to see if there'd be anything that would come up, and there was nothing. Yeah. Well, that's a good point, Tom. I mean, if we if they are going to speak out about, say, something about COVID, how about... Let's do some spiritual warfare against COVID. Mm-hmm. Well, there's too much uh, attention paid to um, oppression, demons, that kind of thing. There's been, there's been uh, at least one prelate in that conference who has made that statement uh, dated September 28th, September 26th. And, oh, two uh, months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Because... They're administrators. You kind of get that impression. They're administrators. They're they're uh, the regional director for the franchise called the Roman Catholic Church. You do get that impression. I hope we're wrong. Maybe they'll maybe they will start changing and prove us wrong. Well, you know that's it. Always comes back to prayer with that. You know, no matter what we can talk about, we have to be serious too. And no matter how frustrating it is, is always play our part as best as we can, lift them up in prayer, especially prayer of conversion and reversion, and to the truth. Mm-hmm. And we all need that. I mean, mm-hmm. we all need a deeper conversion to the truth, for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, speaking of which, this is a little tangential, um, but you know, uh, Bishop Walker Nicholas in Sioux City, he's going to be reaching retirement age, I believe within the next year. So kind of makes you start wondering who might replace him, especially since our Archbishop has put a Dubuque priest in Des Moines and a Dubuque priest in Davenport. Mm-hmm. Kind of makes you wonder if another Dubuque priest is going to be put in Sioux City. It, it, it is interesting. To me, it's a love-hate thing because part of me is like, good, it's about time some of these guys retire. The other side of the coin is, is they're such a liberal group of thinkers, it makes me worry about who the next one will be. Dare we call them liberal? I mean, do we impose, that's what I call do we, them. Do we impose the, yeah, but that suggests that there's a uh, spectrum of orthodoxy that there's. Right, right. Your point I mean, is well taken. I mean, we just used to be Catholic. Right. Right. We didn't used to be liberal Catholic, conservative. We just used to be Catholic. And that just meant that you believed what the church taught. Right. That well, wasn't conservative. It wasn't liberal. It was just Catholic. But I do have to say, you know, Bishop Walker Nicholas in Sioux City, he came out uh, from Chapu. And I know a lot of people had high hopes for him because they thought he was on the more traditional side of the faith. Mm -hmm. You know, we we traditionally believed. I don't know how it's worked out there. Because we can't use traditional either if we can't use liberal. (laughs) No, we can't. Boy, all the things that we can't say anymore. And and the thing is, quite frankly, is say what you're going to say. Because we know the context. And I appreciate the questions because then our context can be explained with a little bit more clarity. The first step in social engineering is bastardization of the King's English. 
of the language. Yep. When you change yep. the meaning of words, so when you say that there is liberal Catholicism, you've just, that, that's not a slippery slope. That's a slippery driveway. <laughs> so does and you would know that well. And I would know that firsthand. <laughs> Good point. What do we got? Two minutes left here. A couple more headlines, Janet. Yeah, a couple more headlines. Um, Father Mark, Mark Goring from up in Canada, he just had a, a video that, and he does this quite a bit, one of his titles said, Must We Endure Another Year of Sacrilege? And basically what he was talking about is how we're receiving Jesus in the state of grace and what do we do about it. And then another headline was, um, Catholic U celebrates a painting of George Floyd in the place of Jesus with Mary, our Blessed Mother, holding him. That did not go over well in my book. How about you guys? You know, it didn't go over well with the students. Yeah. They kind of raised the ruckus about that. So for those who didn't see the image, it's an icon. And it uh, looks like it should be an icon of, you know, Jesus is taken down from the cross and laid in the arms of his mother because she's holding right. what should be her son Jesus, who was just crucified. But kind of a take of, of the piata. Yes. But instead of Jesus, it's George Floyd that yeah. she's holding. So for those who didn't see it. Well, then we won't bring up the uh, Pieta knockoff in Rome of the uh, two homosexuals oh my holding gosh. one another here. Oh, my gosh. That's, a, that's another one here. What else? You got another headline. We got uh, one minute. I got one minute. And then the, the next headline was um, from the bishops meeting from the USCCB. They want to put together the um, promoting the Eucharist and the conference that will take place in 2024. And they have a cost of $28 million. Twenty-eight million. You just can't buy this kind of church up and down the street here. Twenty-eight million. We're going to talk more about that. We got about uh, thirty seconds to the break, Colleen. There's no way we can chew on that that uh, that budget here. There's no way, but we will chew on it in the next section. You're listening to the chatter with Colleen Pasnick and Janet Wagner. I'm Tom Oglesby on FM ninety-eight point three. This is KCRD. We are back, and you are listening to The Chatter on FM 98.3 KCRD, segment two of our 19th episode. Do you believe we've made it this far here? I can't believe people are still listening. I can't either. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to all of our listeners. Yes. Well, they must be because they keep asking about uh, podcasting, and we are moving that. Uh, That's right. Yeah. So The Chatter and our other uh, great locally produced program, Quo Vadis. Yes with uh, Catherine O'Brien is getting rave reviews. Two different audiences, I think, or two approaches, but uh, those are uh, available on the website in podcast, and we're, uh, we're learning about podcasts. It means we're on the air, on demand, and uh, that's coming along very nicely here. That, that's a great thing. Which means some upgrades to the uh, infrastructure here at KCRD and Aquinas Communications, so... Thank you all for the uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars that you have donated to the upgrade, which I think began, is it two years now? 2019, we were uh, expanding the studio, so thank you. And uh, 
The answer is yes, we're still accepting donations because there's, yes, still bills coming in. Still bills. And, you know, really when you think about it, and we're going to talk about money in this segment, but when you think about it, this is... This Catholic radio station right here, this local station, is about the best bang for your buck. I mean, we reach a lot, a lot of people in our geographical area. And then when you add the podcast to it, people anywhere in the world can listen. Alaska. Right. Yeah. So really, when you talk about the dollars, we we use... The heiress, to, yeah, the heiress to the Bergeson fortune in Alaska is uh, listening up there. That's great. And, and also uh, the error in North Carolina, correct? <laughs> Possibly. Did you say error or error? Error. Error. <laughs> Hair. Hair. Hair Bergeson. Yeah, doing that. So anyway, thank you all. And yes, uh, P.O. Box... 3306 for uh, snail mail donations or just go online to kcrd-fm.org there's our, our uh, fundraising announcement there and janet you lit the fuse before we left i did the headline is the headline is is the bishops from the usccb meeting and they're they want to kick off the national eucharistic congress in 2024 in indianapolis and the price tag that they attach to it is $28 million. All right, here, that's that's the headline, but let's go deep. Colleen, why are we doing a Eucharistic Congress? I don't know, but I think KCRD could do it for $10 million. Do you think they'd pay us $10 million to do it? Come I know on. how we I could do it for low, free. Low bid Come on, get, get off the money. The money's not <laughs> incidental. It's, 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 why is there a Eucharistic Congress needed? You know, that's a great question because... There's really not a Eucharistic Congress needed. We do not need to spend $28 million on a two-year Eucharistic Congress if the priests are not going to catechize every single week for free. She's Amen. not She's not biting. She's not biting. Nobody's saying, you're not answering, why do we need, why are they even talking about a Eucharistic Congress? Well, they are saying because only 30% of Catholics believe in the real presence, therefore we need a Eucharistic Congress. Who's they? The bishops. Okay. So the bishops have finally now finally now stated that their sheep that they shepherd three out of ten or two out of ten believe in the central doctrine of the Catholic faith not the Christian faith the Catholic faith because not all Christians believe correct 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 body blood soul and divinity is that which is our most blessed sacrament. True, correct. Catholics believe body, blood, soul, and divinity. That is our belief in the Eucharist. That's pretty basic. Now, we just covered that in about two minutes, uh, and we didn't need $28 million to do that. Right, and, and let's keep drilling down here. One of the things that you brought up, Tom, is our shepherds. So, you know, this this just didn't happen overnight. This just nah, didn't stop. happen from COVID. <laughs> it only took six minutes. Come you on. know, Come on. this just didn't happen overnight or from COVID. This has been a slow Pretend transition. Pretend it's a present under the tree. Unwrap that. Here. Yeah. So it's been going on for years and and whatever How many year, years? At least, at least 50 to 60, in my opinion, because that was when a major change in the church occurred. And more things were happening. So let's in the throw church. a dart at the wall here. Let's just go back to when we were younger. Let's go to 1965. Okay. 
What were the numbers then, Colleen? I don't have them in front of me, but they were more than 30%. You might have them since you're asking the question. Actually, I think it was about 60 to 75% of Catholics attended Mass every Sunday. And so, but what about belief in the real presence? Um, that I don't know. I, that number. I do not know. It was, it was nigh high of 75, 80%. At least, I would guess. At least. I mean, back in 65, remember, you had, uh, they had just changed the communion fast. So there was a real um, emphasis on receiving worthily. And for what hundreds of years, you did not re you did not eat or drink anything from midnight from on. From midnight the night before. Right. And that right there impacts your daily life that I am receiving something very special, not just a piece of bread. I'm receiving the Lord and I must be prepared. And they changed it to? They changed it to three hours uh, for a couple years. Correct. And then they, then they, you know, put it back to one hour. But I'm saying in 1965, I think it was maybe three hours or one hour then. But, but what I'm saying is up until then, people had, had been used to the idea of I need to fast from midnight on because Which is why something we have midnight special mass. is right. midnight mass right. or 4 a.m. at St. Pat's, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was the whole thing was people knew that there was something special that they needed to prepare themselves to receive. So I don't and know. And you when... didn't receive if for some reason, you know, whatever it is, you received not only with the fast, but worthily. In a lot of cases, people didn't, if they didn't receive, it's because they didn't have a chance to go to confession. Mm -hmm. And that was practiced frequently mm -hmm. compared to now that people just What's go What's the connection the here? You know, for the people that are, are not quite... Get, what is the connection between I did not receive the most blessed sacrament because I have not gone to confession? What's the connection there? Catechesis. Worthiness no. to receive is something that people were much more aware of. I'm not worthy to receive. I haven't confessed my sins, venial, mortal. I'm not worthy right now in a state of grace to receive the Eucharist. It's what the centurion said. Lord, I am not worthy that okay. you would enter under my roof, only say the word and come to me. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't go after that. It's what St. Paul said. You who eat and drink the uh, body and body blood, and blood body of and our blood. blessed yeah. Lord, yeah. receive unworthily and bring condemnation Correct. on you. You know, speaking of this time, you know, flashback to the 60s. So I used to work in North Carolina for a hospice. And one of my patients, his uh, his wife was our, our hospice patient. She passed away. And, and he had been a fallen away Catholic. So he wanted to know how to come back to the church. And I said, well, you know, go talk to Father so-and-so over at, uh, you know, the church. And, and so he did. But after that, about a week later, he said to me, can I ask you something? He said, the last time I used to go to church... 1941 because he hadn't been since the war started so the last time i went to church in 1941 he said there were long lines on saturday for confession and still not everybody went to communion on sunday he said i've noticed i'm the only one there on saturday to go to confession but everybody goes to communion on sunday what happened mm -hmm. he said it's flipped backward <clears throat> And I thought that was a really interesting perspective. If you've been missing the Mass for 70 years and you come back to that, you go, whoa. Well, this... and the other thing that he would have meant is he probably was, it, Mass itself, when he would have went in the 80s, I presume. No, this was in the 90s, yeah. Okay, so Late 90s, 90s, 
would have been such a foreign thing for him to see because if he didn't go to mass since 1941, he was going to the traditional right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But, uh, and I'm sure that was a striking difference for him. But the, the thing that he mentioned was it used to be on Saturdays, there was a long line for confession and still not everybody went to communion on Sunday. And he said, now it's the opposite. I'm the only one there on Saturday and everybody's going to, he said, are they all going to confession at a different time? It's crazy. One one of the things I want to get back to is why the bishops feel they need to spend $28 million to have a Eucharistic Congress at all. The thing that I keep waiting for to come from them is, you know what? This is on us. When's the realization going to come that the bishops have, have failed? Not all. I'm not, I'm not trying to throw them under the bus, but it, inadvertently I am. But where does the responsibility and the accountability lie for catechesis that's been lost since the early and mid-60s. Well, what is the bishop's primary responsibility? To govern, to... Defend the faith. Defend the faith, to lead, govern, and teach. As an authority of the church in each diocese. Mm -hmm. And that's not happening now, and it hasn't happened for years. <clears throat> Excuse me here. Um, I'm going to throw this out here. Uh, we're, we're thrown some statistics that, that said that the uh, Eucharistic coherence among the, uh, the faithful is that seven or eight out of ten do not believe in the real presence of Jesus Christ. What say you about the clergy and their belief in the real presence? And what say you about the real presence in here? Because I submit... I submit that the faithful flock, the laity, whether they're coming to Mass or not, well, one, if you're not coming to Mass, you've just stated, I don't believe in the Eucharist. Because if there was a billboard that said, Jesus Christ now appearing, take a left, you You'd would be go. There. You'd be there. All right? So, how can 70 or 80% of the laity not believe in the central doctrine, the central dogma of the Catholic faith, and 100% of deacons, priests, bishops, archbishops, and cardinals believe that this is Christ. I submit to you, you too, and everyone listening, those two statements are incongruous. They cannot coexist. The practical consequence is your clergy, a significant number of them, do not believe this most blessed sacrament is Christ. And if you take exception to that, I want a phone call. This is a line in the sand, and, it, and that sandbox doesn't cost $28 million. Well, and the other thing, you know, as you were talking about that and presenting those two points, Here's the failure. Here's, to me, a fun way of looking at it. Monkey see, monkey do. Monkey not see, the other monkey not do. <laughs> you know? So, my... <laughs> I mean, this budget has everything, but, well, maybe it does have felt banners in here. What does it have? Yeah, we're looking at the breakdown, the line item of the 28.5, almost million dollars for the sake you know it kind of reminds me of the whole 
um, Biden and Pelosi and the Eucharistic coherence document. It's kind of like, you don't, if you really believed, you don't need all that stuff. You can say the statement in one sentence. We got, we got, we got to set this up here because the listeners are at a, at a um, disadvantage. So on a big screen in the studio right now, we are looking at the preliminary budget estimates for July of 2024. And there's a couple of options in the month of July of 2024. This budget came out of the 2021 conference in Baltimore that just ended in November yep, of just 2021. About a week ago. So you don't put this budget together during a conference. This conference, this was this budget was put together going into the conference in Baltimore. Yep. And it comes out here. And I mean these guys got it down. They're they are good at budgets. Twenty eight point five, just shy of twenty eight and a half million dollars with here's some of the line items. Uh, bottom up. Legal fees and insurance, on site management, event management. Wow. Marketing, internet and power entertainment, registration, security signage, housing management, exhibit hall management, AV production, general services contractor, food and beverage, transportation, hosts at the hotels and proposed venues. I mean, they, they do conferences out here. 28, this is scheduled for, I think, Indianapolis. Is that right. correct? That's correct. In 2024. So this is what, this is what they're doing. So the answer to... 80% of people who were baptized Catholic who no longer believe in the real presence of Christ in the Blessed Sacrament, whose soul is at risk, we're talking eternity here, is to host a conference for $28 million. By the way, bishops have no money unless they do what? Fundraise. <laughs> They tax you, Get it your us. parishes, your diocese, $28 million. And I have yet to say, I have, you know, I saw the look on your two faces, and you, you both chose to, uh, wisely, by the way, not to answer my rhetorical question, how many clergy do not believe in the real presence? I have, I've done that same question with a handful of clergy here in the Midwest. Deacons, bishops, and bishops. I've asked bishops. Mm. And? They had mostly the same look on your face. It had not. Those two statements are incongruent. The Catholic laity cannot disbelieve in the presence of Christ in the Eucharist at 70 75 or 80 percent, whatever. If it were two percent, that would be too much. Amen. They cannot disbelieve at that rate and have 100 percent of the priests in their schools, dioceses, churches, parishes, televisions, wherever, and believe that is an impossibility. Agree. I totally agree with you. And the meeting in Baltimore where the bishops took the ball, ran down the field, and got inside the red zone and fumbled big time before going across 
the goal line and saying, well, we have no position, no statement on politicians. It's not our job. Well, and that's that's the thing. You know, when you ask that question, one of the things that keeps coming to me is, you know, I can't judge whether somebody has um, a, a belief in the true presence or not. Not not off the cuff, but we have to look at the fruit. And that's a piece of the fruit, you know, is that they didn't rule when they fumbled. That's a piece of the fruit, that they didn't make a statement that said, no, this is what we believe, and these people should be excommunicated, and not just them, but anybody. You know, one one last comment before we end this session, because it's, it's about to stop here. Um, we're hit, hitting a break. You know, don't you find it curious that this whole thing about this Eucharistic coherence document comes out? Well, at the same time, like you said, Tom, they've already planned a budget for a Eucharistic Congress. Don't you think that's the timing of that? I mean, couldn't they take care of the Eucharistic Congress with one clear statement not called the big document of Eucharistic coherence? Well, and here's the thing. They have budgeted for registration 60,000 people. Out of all the Catholics in the United States, first of all, you're only going to reach 60,000 people. You could do this for free every Sunday if you would work it correctly with your priests. We'll talk more about the managed decline of the Catholic Church when we come back. This is FM 98.3 KCRD. We're back in the FM 98.3 KCRD studios, segment three of our 19th episode of the uh, Chatter. Janet Wagner's over here, and um, did the furnace just kick on, or is it just me? Here. I think it's just you. I, I got uh, it's warm. Going, yeah. Is it warm? <laughs> Colleen's. Come on. The yeah. meat is falling off the bone. <laughs> <laughs> Stick her with a fork. She's done. She's done. All right. So we've been talking here for uh, several weeks that um, it's it's easy to um, you know do some shadow boxing with um, those who are whose primary uh, responsibility is defending the faith, but you know that can that can go here. We're all in some ways or. It, certainly called to evangelize and we're not getting it in a lot of places so segment three we're going to talk some um, catechesis here and hey. since we're talking about the eucharist let's let's talk about that and um how do they say take me to school yeah i i think this is a great idea and you know what i love about the baltimore catechism it's so simple I mean, we've got the catechism from John Paul II, and that's great, and it's just heady, you know, but you get, pull the Baltimore out, and it is just so comprehensible for everybody. Yeah. I love the Baltimore catechism. So we've got uh, number two here of the Baltimore catechism, and it talks about the Eucharist. It talks about the Eucharist as a sacrament, and then the next chapter talks about the Eucharist as a sacrifice. Um, and that's something we don't often hear about, that the Eucharist is a sacrifice. It used to be called the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Mm -hmm. We don't really hear that terminology anymore. 
Well, it's Lex uh, Arandi, Lex Curadendi, isn't it? What we what we believe is what we or what we pray is what we believe, and you know, look look at the uh, number of contemporary um, hymns. Well, they're not really hymns, are they? Songs. Songs. Pop songs. The Table of Plenty. The Table. The Table of Plenty. So if you're, how can it be a sacrifice? It used to be an altar. Now it's now it's as the, you know, as the gifts are being prepared and the table is being set. Well, this isn't a table. This is this is a sacrifice. You know who first called it a table instead of an altar? I think this is very interesting. ML. Um, in uh, after Henry VIII split from the church, he had his um, archbishop who was Catholic because everybody was Catholic, and and he went with. Henry um, Cramner is his name and his task was to get Catholicism out of the people right because Henry broke from the church he was going to have the Church of England so one of the things he did as you mentioned in an earlier segment Tom was he changed the language Mm -hmm. no more was it an altar they called it a table no more was it a sacrifice it was a meal mm-hmm. and we hear that in a lot of the songs that we sing at mass and you think you know this is really bad theology well, this is really anglicanism or protestantism well and how about we just we just finished with um our national holiday of thanksgiving which is pagan basically but so many homilies relate the eucharist to thanksgiving which which it means thanksgiving but to the person sitting out in the pew it means Overeat, big time dessert, show up at the table, don't have to worry about what I'm doing or wearing. And to me that's a that's a disconnect. Yeah, well we've lost the aspects of uh, culture that are truly Catholic. True. And so the basic, basic core, and Tom you mentioned this earlier, our basic belief in the Eucharist is it's not a piece of bread. It is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So the same Christ who was born in a cave, the same Christ who walked the earth and raised the dead, the same Christ that hung on the cross is that same Christ that we receive in the Eucharist. So we can go uh, uh, all Aquinas on everybody for a minute here. So let's talk substance and accidents. Substance comes from um, the Latin, that which stands under, that which is under, and accidents are the appearances of what's going on. So the, the you know, theology, the, the concept of trans, meaning to change, substantiation, to change the substance is the doctrine in the Catholic Church that says this bread which is wheat and water no yeast it's unleavened bread it's just water and wheat it must be wheat is created into bread or most often a wafer and when the priest who is ordained as a priest in the line of Melchizedek, an unbroken line from Jesus Christ himself, Peter, 
and the other 11, including Judas, he was a priest for a few hours. And then every priest since that time has, by the laying on of hands, has received the priesthood of Jesus Christ himself, which is where we get the in persona Christi. And when that priest, regardless of his state of grace, regardless of his sinfulness, regardless of who he is, but by virtue of the laying on of hands in an unbroken succession for 2,000 years, that priest holds up and says, this is my body, do this in remembrance of me, the words of institution and consecration, the substance of that wafer is changed. That's transubstantiation. At that moment, it is no longer wheat. It is Christ himself. Forever. As long as it's still perceptible. Now, the accidents of that, the accidents are what our five senses, what it looks like, what it sounds like when it's broken, what it tastes like, what it smells like, what it feels like. It still feels like bread. It still feels like wheat bread. Our senses, this is Aquinas' great uh, uh, benediction, uh, our senses fail thee here in one of the uh, mm -hmm. uh, great benediction hymns that he has. That's what's going on here. That's what's not being taught for at least the last 50 years. And the other thing I want to piggyback onto that, Tom, as you're talking about that, is a lot of people, um, when they receive Jesus in the bread, and they also have the opportunity to receive him from the cup, you're, it, they're not separated. Um, so what I mean by that is that when you receive the bread, you are receiving the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. When you drink the blood... You are receiving the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. So theoretically, you don't need to receive the wine. You're not getting anything extra. It's all the same species. It's not wine. So Excuse you're me, saying blood. When, when you you're saying when you receive the host, you're receiving the body and blood. When you receive from the chalice, you're receiving the body and blood. It's not Correct. that the host is just the body Correct. and the chalice is it's just the blood. the blood. That's right. That's yeah. the point I wanted to make. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So... What we've just talked about here for four minutes is the crux of the issue that 70 or 80% of Catholics do not believe. In that? Give me $28 million. I handled it in four minutes. We, we, we did here. You know, and you, you went on for a nice chunk of time explaining Catholic teaching on the Eucharist. And as you were talking, I kept thinking, oh, you know what? That's a thing that people argue with. Oh, you know what? That's a point that people argue with. I had someone tell me, a DRE tell me. Um, DRE? A DRE. And what's a DRE? DRE? Uh, Director of Religious Education. Do they still have DREs? Yeah, like they do. A person in charge of, you know, CCD. Religious do they still call mm -hmm. CCD religious? Anyway, she said um, that as long as the people believe, then they don't need a priest. That 
okay, right? She said, now, are, are you, Heresy. I said, right? I said, that's not true. You have to have a priest. She, are you, are you telling me that in the jungle of Brazil, where a priest can only get there once a year, that if that community doesn't come together and all believe that that bread becomes the host, it doesn't become host? Like, no. Yeah. I mean, come on. It that's doesn't. basic theology. Of course it doesn't. You need a priest. But that, so as you were talking about, and almost every point that you were making, which is just so obvious and clear church teaching, someone has taken an exception to. Right. I, I made a note earlier when we started in segment one, Janet, about the um, what what really is angering the Lord because in prayer, um, and we all had some extra prayer time this past month, didn't we? While we were down yeah. and out, yeah. But here are the sins of our age, and everybody wants to beat up on on the abortionists and and the killing of children and all of that. But these are all symptoms. These are all symptoms. You've heard me say this before. The big sins of our age. Why did our blessed Lord send his blessed mother to us in Fatima more than 100 years ago? Or to Guadalupe, to uh, Juan, Di excuse me, Juan Diego, whose feast will be up here any day, won't it? Uh, coming up early in December. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Here, here are the... Uh, the crimes against divinity, heresy, blasphemy, idolatry, and the profanation of sacred deals, sacred, sacred things. If you believe in God and the real presence, everything else falls in order. You would dare not let your neighbor go hungry, naked, or a no place in a blizzard. You would certainly not consider um, war, unjust wars. You would certainly not consider um, uh, the abortion. <laughs> if, 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 if you understood these, again, heresy, which is uh, falling away from the faith, Blasphemy, taking the sacred names of our blessed Lord Joseph and Mary and the angels and saints. Idolatry, which our society, our culture is rampant in, and the profanation. If, if you did that, if, if Catholics believed in that, you would never have to put a weak bishop in the position of having to correct him on Eucharistic coherency, because you would do it yourself. You would call yourself to obedience of faith. Well, one of the things that I think of, too, as you're talking, Tom, is um, what do we do for our listeners and ourselves is we need to pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit to touch us with the gift of faith and deep faith to increase our belief in the real presence of um, not only for ourselves, but for our clergy, all of our family and friends. Um, and then the, the other thing with that is, is that a lot of people might have, you know, like, that's just a symbol. That's just what you Catholics believe. And even Catholics have said that's like, no, I don't believe that's real. It's just, it's just a symbol. Well, there's so many scripture verses 
that lend to prove of the real presence. I mean, like, read John 6. We've talked about that before on other um, episodes. Um, Christ is truly present. Matthew 26, 26. Take and eat. This is my body. And, you know, just other scriptures. This goes back to the top of the uh, hour, though, Colleen, when we were um, talking about liberal Catholics or conservative traditional Catholics. It's it, There are no new heresies. Right. It's, there's just modern-day Arianism. And, and the other great heresies, of which we've got several volumes on the uh, shelf over there, these people, that director of religious education who postulated that the the um, Brazilian indigenous people could just gather together and bring Christ into the bread because they desired it. That's heresy. It's not new in Brazil in the 20th century. It's not, although I have to say I was disappointed it was a DRE, you know, putting forth that because that's a person in charge of the faith catechesis in the parish but like you said tom it's incongruous to say 80 percent of the people don't believe but 100 percent of the priests do no well and i'm looking at the budget up here again with 28 and a half million dollars colleen i don't see any line item for the catechesis for at the parish level of directors of religious education of the of the right of Christian initiation, I mean, I mean if we, if we went to any Catholic high school or or whatever, we pay uh, you know dialing for dollars. Let's go with cash, and just start taking questions out of because at the end of every chapter in the Baltimore Catechism, there's a question and answer deal, mm-hmm. and we're you know let's make let's go big. Let's do a C-note, $100 per a question here. Do you think we'd give away any money for correct answers? I know. Maybe some people would be cheating and looking up in their Baltimore Catechism. Well, it's not cheating if it gets their soul to heaven. Well, one, one thing I know that, and this is a question not only to myself, it's to all of us, is if I truly believed in the true presence of Christ... Why am I not falling on my knees and my face when he's present when I receive him? Good question. We got 30 seconds. Uh, final comments, Colleen? I think that um, the Eucharistic uh, uh, conference, Congress that they want to have is just another sign and symptom of the failure to do catechesis on a weekly basis. Janet, wrap us up for 10 seconds. Um, I agree with Colleen. I think that you could do this for free every week from the pulpit by the priests and the clergy. There you have it. This is The Chatter. It's episode 19 on um, November 29th is our recording date in the year of our Lord 2021. Let's close with a prayer to the Trinity. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Glory be to the Father, Father, and to the the Son, and to to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is is now, and and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady, immaculately conceived without sin, pray Pray for for us us who have recourse to thee. 
In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We love you all. God bless you. This is the Chatter on FM 98.3 KCRD.